Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right, all right. Good morning. Come on, first service. Good morning. Man, you are my favorite service bar none. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you have great plans for the moms in your life. If you haven't called your mom, make sure you call your mom. I haven't called my mom, so I'm going to take my advice after service. Man, we're excited. We're in the middle of a series right now called Potato Head. We're actually at the very end of this series. And Man, it's been probably one of my favorite, and, and the whole premise behind this is the toy, Mr. Potato Head. It, it's been around since 1952. It was the first nationally advertised toy in the nation, the first one. And even though culture has changed, and the hats, and the lips, and the noses have changed and look a little bit different, the concept of the toy has remained the same, and that's the way that God's culture and values for the family and for marriage are. And that's what we want to, we're talking about in this series for marriage, for family, for us as individuals is what's God's purpose and plan for our lives. And we've correlated this with a, an amazing midweek kind of class setting called Tater Talks. And if you've missed it, you've got one more week and this week is, is poised to be one of the best yet. So it's going to be amazing. But before I dive into today's message, I want to tell you about a couple of things. We are beyond stoked that in just a few days, on Friday, our students are going on a camp out, and it is going to be absolutely amazing. We've got a special campground on the beach, not like on a cliff that you walk down on a trail to get to the beach. It's on the beach, and we have scared off all the sharks. They're all gone, so you're set. I saw a meme on Instagram that said, it's as if Californians are just realizing sharks live in the ocean. And so, no, we'll make sure your kids are safe. Lifeguards will be there. We will not let them paddle out into great white shark-infested water. But it's going to be one of the most fun things that we do all year to wrap up the school year, get ready for a great summer. So you can text the word camp out for more details on this. The cost is only 25 bucks, and that includes everything. So it don't let money be a reason your student can't go. Just get in there. It's going to be a blast. And other than that, there's another thing I'm extremely excited about. What really makes the Movement Church tick, there are two things. Our backbone is the dream team. How many of you are on the dream team? Come on, yes. Those are the men and women, young men and women, who literally give tirelessly to make sure that you can come and experience a great church. That's our backbone. But what our heartbeat is, is our connect group. See, we believe that relationships happen in circles and not in rows. Life change happen in circles and not in rows. When we meet together, build relationships, that's when my life begins to change. And we've got a brand new semester coming your way this summer, and it will blow your mind. But before we get to it, there are a few of you who need to actually lead a group. So if you're here, we have provided everything that you need, all the content. It's a push-play all of us are doing the same connect group material. It's called Freeway. It's a sister to what we did last summer called Wonder Life. If you remember that, it was amazing. So we removed all the obstacles, all the curriculum. All I have to do is push play and facilitate conversation, provide a few snacks. You can do it in your home. Last year, we had a group met at Salt Creek Beach. 
and got a laptop and a sound bar and did the connect group there. So no matter where, some of you in this room, you need to be leading a group this summer. It's six weeks long, and it'll be the best six weeks of your life. Let me tell you why, because you'll actually be able to be a part of life change for somebody. So if you're here and you're thinking about or contemplating, even just curious as to what that looks like, text the word lead to the number on the screen. And we'll help you out. And then you can listen to the information inside. I'm not sure if I'm ready, but just text the word lead because I believe you can actually change somebody's life. Amen. All right, well, listen, let's dive into this thing. I'm excited about it. Uh, I've got a, a few things to talk through specifically, and I, I wanted to bring some practical stuff today in, in the area surrounding conflict. How many of you have ever experienced conflict in any relationship you've ever, oh man, so this is the right topic today. So before I jump in, I want to pray, and before I pray, I want to ask one thing of you. I don't, I'm not asking you to change everything in your life. I'm not asking you to believe everything that I say. In fact, if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. All I ask is that for the next 30 minutes or so, you just open your heart and your ears to hear and receive whatever it is that God might want to do. Can we do that today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are doing something miraculous in our lives already. God, we thank you that we get to celebrate the amazing women who have done amazing things in our life today. But God, for the next 30 minutes, we're going to focus in on you and what it is you want to say and what it is you want to do. So God, we just give you permission right now to rearrange the furniture of our lives, to come in and show us what we need to adjust, what we need to change, what we need to remove. We, we just open our heart to you to do and say whatever it is that you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Today, we're talking about conflict. Now, how many of you love movies? Would you just show of hands, raise your hands for a minute? Okay, here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I just want you to yell out your favorite movie, okay? Are you ready? Listen, don't get nervous. It's, nobody cares. They're, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves right now. So on the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite movie. Are you ready? One, two, three. Go ahead. Yep, okay, great. Those are all horrible, unless you said Shawshank Redemption, because that's the greatest movie of all. Andy Dufresne, San Guajateneo. Morgan Freeman, the voice of God, right? Y'all think that God speaks like Morgan Freeman? Anybody else? Either that or uh, what's the guy from Taken? He, he's one of those two guys. Liam Neeson. That's what God has to sound like. Can I get an amen from some people? Okay. My favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. And this movie is not sanctified, so don't go watch it and think that it's going to be blessed and, and, and liberated by the blood of Jesus. But I want to tell you what, why I love this movie is because an innocent man goes to prison, and while he's there, the case becomes clear that he truly is innocent, but the conniving, horrible dictator of a warden is doing everything he can to keep Andy Dufresne in prison. And that's the reason we like the movie. It's not because we fall in love with the character. It's not because we identify with different players in the movie, but you and I both like movies because of one central theme. Do you want to know what it is? Conflict. Conflict. Have you ever watched a movie that was so horrible you couldn't stop because you needed some kind of resolution before? Anybody like that? You're like, this movie is horrible, but I have to finish it because I need to know what happens. Anybody? You ever watched a movie that doesn't have an ending? 
Like the movie ends, but it doesn't resolve the conflict. Anybody? Yes. And you hate it. Like the Hunger Games. Great book series, but there's no end. You don't know what's going to happen. Are you tracking with me today? So we love conflict in movies because it brings resolution to something that we're watching and experiencing. What we don't love conflict in our marriages or in our life. Can I get an amen from some people today? Unfortunately, conflict exists. And so today the title of my message is Clearing Up Conflict. And I want to encourage you about this. I'm going to give some real practicals, unpack some of the whys and the hows. But I want to give you some really big encouragement right now. And that is this. My first point is this. Conflict is inevitable. Isn't that encourage? Encouragement. Please be encouraged first service that's extremely quiet today. Conflict is inevitable. Listen, we have conflict everywhere right now. There's conflict with North Korea. There's conflict in our nation right now when it comes to the racial tensions that we're experiencing. You had conflict in your life this week. You may have had conflict in your life this morning driving to church. Conflict is inevitable. Let me tell you why conflict is inevitable because of sin. That's why we experience so much conflict. 1 John 1, 8 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So even if you're here and you say, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, we still have a propensity to sin. So here's how it works. If you're married, you as an individual were a sinner and you got married to a sinner. And then you love each other, so you make a ton of little sinners. Right? Some of you are like, ah, you've met my kids, right? Whether you're married or not, we are sinners. And you know what sinners do? Sin. A pastor that I love says, hunters are going to hunt, golfers are going to golf, and sinners are going to sin. How many of you in this room are without sin? Raise your hand. Okay, good. So we all get this. That's why conflict exists. But here's the great thing. God has given us grace. We are saved by grace. In fact, the writer Paul said, hey, listen. There was this thing I'm struggling with. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows exactly what it is. And he was like, God, can you remove this thing? It's killing me. And we don't know if it was an ailment. Some people believe he actually might have been bipolar. We don't know what it was. He's like, can you get rid of this thing? And God said, no, no, no. I can't get rid of it because in your weakest moment, I am my strongest. He said, my grace is sufficient. For you. See, we need God's grace to resolve the conflict in our life. We need God's grace to resolve the conflict in our life. So conflict is inevitable. But look at this. This is what I want to tell you. Conflict is inevitable. But look at what James 4 says. James 4 says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Look at that. Can you leave that scripture up? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So conflict isn't because somebody else has issues. Conflict happens and sin happens and quarrels happen because of what is within me. Are you tracking with me today? From what is within me. My selfishness actually creates fertile soil for conflict. Here's another thing about conflict. Conflict is a great revealer. 
conflict within our relationships, conflict within our marriage, conflict at the workplace, conflict with our children, conflict with the guy that you are dating, conflict with your fiance, conflict with the people in your life is a great revealer. It reveals what is within me. Let me show you one, a couple things that conflict reveals. Conflict reveals the strength of my faith. Conflict reveals the strength of my faith. So here's a question to ask yourself. What is it that you lean into when the pressure is on? What is it that you lean into when the pressure is on? Whether it's in your relationships or at work or financially, when the pressure is on and it's getting crazy, what is it you lean into? Many of us, we lean into our own strengths. We lean into our own skill set. We lean into our own abilities. And usually after we've tried everything and we don't know what to do, that's when we say, well, I guess all I have left to do is pray. Conflict reveals the level of my strength. Hey, here's another question to ask yourself. I think this is worth it. Is my faith based on the answer to my prayers or is it in the God I'm praying to? You see, a lot of times we base our faith on whether or not God pulls through with what I'm praying for. God, would you give me that house? Would you give me that house? Would you give me that house? And then when that house doesn't work out, my faith is changed. My faith is shifted because my faith was actually in whether or not I got what I was asking for from the God that I think I believe in. And this is what conflict reveals in my life. And here's the great thing about God. He doesn't mind us being disappointed for a long time while our focus shifts from what we want to who he is. I hate to say that. Children of Israel, if you don't know the story, they wandered the desert for 40 years because they had faith in the promised land and not in the giver of the promise. Are you tracking with me today? This side is. This side, I'm not sure. But I see you taking notes, so keep it up. There it is, Nathan. Conflict reveals my motives in relationships as well. Conflict reveals my motives in relationships. I want to read a long passage of scripture, uh, but before I dive into that, uh, we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 13. It'll be on the screens if you didn't bring your Bibles with you, but before we get into that, in Genesis chapter 12, this is the first book of the Bible, God gives Abraham a promise. Now, this is before God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, so we're going to read it as Abram, but don't freak out, same guy. So God gives Abram a promise, and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a promised land, and I'm going to bless you and the generations to come. In fact, he told Abram, go out, look at the stars, and you see the number of stars, he said, that will be the number of your descendants, and this is when Abram was in his 80s and didn't have any kids. Come on, somebody, that's a miracle right there. He says, your descendants will be the number of the stars. Your descendants will be the number of the sand that's at the ocean. He said, listen, I've got a promise for you. And so we see Abraham, or Abram, on his way to inherit what God has for him. And there's a little bit of conflict. This is found in Genesis chapter 13. So just follow along with me quickly so I can move through this. Verse 1 says this, then Abraham went up from Egypt. So he's leaving where he lived to head towards the promised land, he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him. Now here's what's interesting. God didn't tell Abraham to take anybody but his family with him. 
He said, I've got a promised land for you, but he didn't say anything about bringing people, and Abraham like, brought his nephew. He had a nephew from a brother, and he said, hey, just come on and roll with me. And look at what happens. Verse 2. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. In other words, Abraham is heading to church. And the Bible says, and Abram called on the name of the Lord. Verse 5 says this, Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. So these guys are both entrepreneurs. Abraham has got like a, a startup business that's going really well. He's like Fortune 100 at this point. He's started to do franchises now. This is kind of what it's looking like. I know y'all think I'm making a joke, but that's kind of what he had here, right? And Lot is an owner in Abram's franchises. Y'all tracking me? I feel like this is not making sense, and I thought it made more sense when I wrote it down. And now, listen to this. Verse 6 says, now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock livestock and the herdmen herdsmen of Lot's livestock so Abram's an entrepreneur he's got a business it's blown up he's doing really well and Lot has a startup that he's bought into Abram's company basically and now there's strife between the two herdsmen these families that they're in the same bloodline. Are you tracking with me? Now look at what this next verse says. This is kind of interesting. It says the Canaanites and the Perizzites also dwelt in the land. Now God doesn't make mistakes with stuff. So if it's in the scripture, it's there intentionally. And all of a sudden we're reading the story about Abram and Lot and we hear that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were there in the land. And it seems out of place, but what God is saying is that they were watching now look at me people in your life are watching how you handle conflict and if you're here and you say man i'm a christ follower people are watching you your friends your co-workers your neighbors your family members listen your children are watching you just think that they don't see what's going on but kids are smarter than you give them credit for and they can pick up on conflict even if it's unspoken you ever walked into a room and felt the tension? You feel it right there? Nothing was spoken. And you, you ever heard the statement, you can cut the tension with a knife? People are watching how we handle conflict. People are watching. Look at the verses. It goes on to say, so Abraham said to Lot, please. Let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and between your herdsmen. For we are brethren. We're in this together. Is not the whole land before you? This is Abraham. Abram going to Lot. Abram's the big boss man. He's going to Lot and saying, hey, let's not let this be between us. The whole land is before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Look at this. Verse 10. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as far as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east 
and they separated from each other. This conflict reveals a lot about Lot, doesn't it? It reveals a lot about Lot. That's kind of funny. One of the things it reveals is that Lot wasn't a great leader. So his employees stirring up dissension, and he didn't know how to talk to them and what to say, and he just let them run rampant, right? It also shows that Lot didn't understand the principle of honor. The reason Lot had what he did was because of his uncle. We read that in previous chapters. He should have been the one to approach Abram and say, hey, listen, my guys are getting out of control. I've talked to them. Just tell me where you want me to go, and I'll go there. He should have been the one that said, hey, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. This conflict revealed a lot about Lot's heart. And listen, the conflict that you and I are in reveals a lot about who we are as well. And I think, unfortunately, more often than not, our first or our initial response, or maybe even our default, is to get defensive. Anybody else like that? When you're facing conflict, when you're in an argument, to get defensive. You can get defensive verbally, and you can get defensive by being quiet, too. So I'm not just talking about whether you're an external processor or an internal processor. You can get defensive no matter what. I'm good at this. I'm really good at it. In fact, my wife calls it lawyering. Stop lawyering me. I'm talking her into my way of thinking. Anybody else like that out there? Don't raise your hands. It's a bad idea. It's bad. That's not a good, that's not a good point. Don't write that down. Okay, be a lawyer and it works. Conflict, conflict reveals what's going on inside of me. And so what I'll do is I'll throw up, or you and I, all of us, when we get defensive, we throw up something to protect ourselves, either to protect my opinion, to protect my idea, or to protect my emotions, to protect my heart. If you've been in a volatile relationship, then you learned unintentionally how to guard your heart, maybe because somebody in your life would speak verbally abusive things or was physically abusive, and so we get defensive, and so we're blocking things out. We don't want things to get in. And the problem is, I actually can protect my heart to a certain extent, but I also block out what God wants to do and can do in my life. You see, the great thing about God is he never forces himself on us. It always requires the willingness of our own heart. I've been using the scripture throughout this whole series, Revelation 3.20. Jesus is standing at the door of our heart knocking. We have to choose whether or not we let him in. Especially in the midst of conflict. A friend of mine calls it shrink wrapping. When you get a pork chop or a steak and you're not going to cook it for a couple of days and you shrink wrap it, or I think they call it vacuum packing. They seal it up. What you're doing is making sure that none of the air and outside contaminants get in to save it for a later date. The problem is if there's any bacteria or issues inside the shrink wrap, that pork chop, that steak is going to be no good. So the problem is if we don't actually deal with what's on the inside, even if we're defensive and we're blocking people out, we become unhealthy on the inside. And we create even more conflict unintentionally. And here's the great thing about conflict and what God wants to do in us is this. Conflict occurs when an area of our life is exposed which requires change. That's up on the screens. It's worth taking a picture of, writing that down. Conflict occurs when an area of our life is exposed and requires change, and then we resist that change. See, here's the thing. God actually wants to use conflict in our life to grow us. He wants to use conflict to grow us in an exponential way. And you know who he uses the most? 
our spouse. The people that are closest to you. The ones that know everything about you. And those are the people that we are most resistant to. And that's who God has to. Why, why do you think they're in your life? Why do you think God wants to use the people that are closest to you to grow us through conflict? Here's a great thing to write down. Healthy conflict is constructive. Healthy conflict is constructive, but unresolved conflict is destructive. Unresolved conflict is destructive. See, a lot of times, I've, I've seen this over and over and over again. We... we most of us aren't the best at resolving conflict. They don't, they don't teach this in school. They don't teach, how do you resolve conflict between friends and family? And, and, and listen, parents, parents aren't the best at it either. In fact, often we learn the worst things on how to resolve conflict from our parents. I don't know about you, but I was raised in a completely different environment than my wife. I was raised in a home where whatever dad says is what you thought. It was your opinion. When we would go to, to restaurants, he would order for all of us. She's going to have a cheeseburger. He's going to have a taco. You're going to have a burrito. I don't like a burrito. Shut up. You're going to eat a burrito. He didn't say shut up. It's okay. There were seven kids. He just made decisions. That's, it was in the South. That's what happened. My parents never argued in front of us. My mom is a Southern woman, so she's strong. They would go in their bedroom, close the door, but we didn't know what happened back there. Could have been nuclear holocaust. I have no clue what took place. Megan's family... Everyone would come downstairs and sit on mom and dad's bed and talk about their feelings. How are you feeling today? Oh, I feel everything. So naturally, when I got married, I assumed that whatever I said was the law. <laughs> God had a, a different plan for us. As you guys know, I married a very passive, quiet woman who's always open to the word submit. And I used that early on in our marriage, submit. And uh, we almost got a divorce, so. But here's the problem. We face conflict, and we don't know how to handle it. I had great parents, and so did she. They loved the Lord and, and loved us, but... Nobody just sits down and teaches you how to resolve it. And so, as a result, most of us, we quit too early. We give up. And then we run away from a relationship. And we run from our problems. And we never resolve it. And then here's, here is the, the cycle. We go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And once the relationship gets deep enough that we actually start talking about the junk... We go from job to job to job. If you look back through the course of the history of your career, often you might find that there's a series of cyclical events that I have hit a certain point at each career, and then I've got to stop and abandon ship because either I'm going to have to actually change and become who I need to become, grow up some and take the right steps, be disciplined or insert whatever words you want to hear. But as a result, I just don't know how to, and so I get another job. People do this in churches. Go from church to church to church. Once I get close enough, 
Once the pastor starts talking about this, I don't want to handle this, so I'm going to go to a different church. Are you tracking with me today? So we've not learned how to resolve conflict, but the truth is God wants to use conflict to do a breakthrough in me, not in other people, but in me. In me. In fact, Jesus was talking about in his first sermon these eight values that really should be a part of who we are. It's called the B attitude. You may have heard it before. And in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In other words, blessed are those who have the skill of conflict resolution. In other words, resolving conflict is a skill. We have to work at it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the last 10 minutes of our time together and talk about five keys to resolving conflict. Five keys to resolving conflict. This will be worth writing down. This will be well worth writing down. Five keys to resolving conflict. Number one, write this down. Number one, commit right now to resolve. Commit right now to resolve. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Another word we would call that would be a, a foothold. Like if somebody's closing the door and they stick their foot in there and it can't fully close. If we allow our issues, our conflict to go unresolved, it gives the enemy a place to come right in and bring division and divisiveness. That's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Have you ever gone to bed so mad at your spouse that you weren't sure you could actually sleep? Would you just be honest and raise your hand for a minute? Thank you. So what it doesn't mean is that you have to duke it out and hash it out until 3 a.m. because we can't go to sleep until this thing is over. But you know what you can do if you're married in this place is say, hey, listen, I love you and I'm committed to this. But I don't know if we can be productive in our conversation right now. So maybe tomorrow morning is a better time. Are you tracking with me today? Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're engaged. Maybe you're in great relationships with people. The bottom line is to reinforce and reaffirm how much you care about and appreciate them, even though right now in the midst of this, I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. Hey, if you're married here, just make the decision. Make the decision, you know what, no matter what, we will stay together. Choose right now. I'm choosing right now that we are going to fight for our marriage and not just in our marriage. I'm choosing to fight for the relationship and not in the relationship. No matter what, we're going to find a way to resolve this thing. If we don't, if we leave that door open and we're like, well, if you do that again, it's over. That's leaving the door cracked open. You know, we just had our whole kitchen remodeled because of a leak that was horrible. And before that, we had this pantry and, and it was the pantry door that wouldn't fully close. You know that when it happens and it's like it starts to close and then right at the end it opens about an inch and a half. And we tried to fix that four or five times. I had Pastor Joe come over and that guy can do anything and, and he couldn't fix it. And that just left a little bit of a crack in the door. Guess what? We have an 85-pound black Labrador retriever who found that stupid little crack while we were at church. She ate a loaf of bread, an entire pack of Oreo cookies, and an entire container of dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's. Y'all are thinking, did she die? No, she was like as happy as could be. There was rappers everywhere. You know what else was everywhere? Poop. Everywhere. For days. She's gluten intolerant, which I'm embarrassed to even say that, but I guess in Orange County it's okay. 
So it wasn't just normal poo. And that's what happens when you leave a crack in an unresolved conflict. You're cleaning up poop for days. <laughs> Number two, establish rules of engagement. Number two, establish rules of engagement. If you're going to fight, you've got to know how to fight fair. So let me just share a couple of hours for you. You don't have to adopt them. Uh, for us, for our marriage, it's never in front of the kids. We just, we don't fight in front of the kids. Um, they, they don't know how. They, most kids under 12 to 13 are still thinking in a concrete form, not abstract. So they're black and white. They don't understand that you're going to go uh, into your bedroom and you're going to resolve things. And you're going to be okay. They can't see that. So it just creates strife and conflict. I'll never forget. We, every once in a while, we do get in arguments in front of our kids. And, and Avery came in and said, are you guys going to get divorced? We're like, no. No, your mom just, you know, said something rude to me. And so... It's not true. So if we do get in a fight in front of the kids, then we have to resolve that in front of the kids. Hey, listen, mom and dad were in an argument, and we're okay. We figured this thing out. Your mom was wrong. She submitted. We're all right now. Number, number, another uh, rule of engagement for us is no names or curse words. And, and no words like never, always, don't, won't. Just don't, don't call each other names. It's not worth it. Because in the, in the heat of the moment, you're going to be so angry. You're going to say something. And then it, it's out there. And you'll resolve the conflict, but they'll never forget you said that. You can think of right now, you can think of a time when you said something to your spouse or a great friend or a mom or a dad or a sister or brother or vice versa. And you remember it. So we're not talking about yesterday. We're talking about moving forward. And, and don't use words like you never change. You won't fix this. It's, it's always going to be like that. You know what that does? It removes hope. Hope's gone. Well, guess what Jesus does? He puts hope in. So let's just choose to put hope in. Another, another rule is we take a minute, not a day. So if we're really angry, we take a minute. Because both of us are pretty outspoken and pretty opinionated, sometimes we say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm just going to step out the house for a minute. I'll be right back. Always, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm just going to go walk the dog up the hill, and I'm going to come back, and we'll talk through this thing. I'm going to be really upset. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in a marriage, but just a rule of engagement. I'm going to take a, a moment, but not a day. If I take a day, I'm wasting precious bandwidth, and all I really need to do is sit down and have a conversation. These last two are probably the biggest ones. Seek first to understand is a rule of engagement for us. Hey, wait a minute. What are you trying to say? Because right now I'm more angry about how you said it, and that's all I can think about. But I don't actually know what you're trying to communicate to me. And this is good for uh, employee relationships and boss relationships. doesn't matter what. This is seek first to understand. And usually that requires a clarifying question. The last thing, rule of engagement, is validate feelings. I had to learn this one because I'm, I'm not really good at that. So validating, validating, feeling, validating feelings means, man, I'm, I'm so, here's a great thing to say. I'm so sorry what I did made you feel that way. That wasn't my intention. Because you can say, I'm sorry you feel that way. And then it's like saying, you're an idiot. I'm sorry you have dumb feelings. But if you say, hey, I'm so sorry that I, what I said hurt like that. 
And this isn't just for married couples. This is for any relationship that you're in. Number three, take responsibility. Megan talked about this last week. If you haven't listened to the sermons last week, Megan killed it. First week, Pastor Jeremy dropped bombs on foundations. Phenomenal. Number three right now, take responsibility. Megan talked about owning it. In, in conflict, it's easy to point the finger. It's your fault. You did this. Your fault. But just take responsibility. Look at yourself first. It's easy to go to prayer and be like, God, you know how wrong she is. You know her heart. It's dark and cold. So far removed, God. Would you help her, God, in Jesus' name? It's easy to do that, but the best thing to do is go to prayer about yourself. God, I just need some help navigating through this thing. You will track with me today? I love what Psalm 139 says. It's a great, great psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. So David is just taking ownership, saying, God, just look right here first. Would you look right here first? Number four, be a peacemaker. And you can do this before conflict arises. So let me tell you how you be a peacemaker. It's an investment, like planting seeds of peace. And you do this with your words. Right? Proverbs 18 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So what is it you're munching on right now? What are you snacking on? Is it constantly revisiting something that happened yesterday or two months ago? So speak peace. You know what? Start right now with your kids, with your family, with your spouse, with your friends, with your parents, with your boss. Hey, I'm so grateful for you. You know what you do? You make my world better, and I'm thankful for that. What am I doing? I am planting seeds of peace, and then I'm going to fight for peace. I'm going to make peace my aim. That's one of the biggest values in our home is creating a home that is peaceful. Because if we create a home that's peaceful, my kids will always want to come home to it. You tracking with me? Number five, and lastly, walk in love. Walk in love. Let love be the end goal. Let love be the end goal. I love one writer said this, fighting fair means changing your weapons. Disagree with dignity. I love this. The result should be building a bridge and not burning it down. Love is the great bridge builder. Don't follow your feelings. Follow your choice. Megan said this last week, that feelings follow focus. So you choose what it is you focus in on. And listen, I promise you, you'll always find fault in other people. But don't start there. Look at the potential inside them. Look at the potential inside them. And one of the greatest things that love does is forgive. Love always forgives. And hey, look at me, because I know that sometimes it's easy to come in here and to think about the entire list of things that are unforgivable that someone did or said or how they acted or how they didn't act or they should have been there and they weren't there. And it's so easy to look through the list of things that are unforgivable, but look me in the eyes for just one moment. You will never have to forgive someone more than Jesus forgave you. Never. You will never have to forgive anyone more than Jesus forgave you. The greatest expression of love. He built a bridge to a hope and a future. 
Love involves forgiving and not grudge holding. And I think some of us in this room, before we can even move forward in conflict, the next step is forgiveness. I've got to just forgive. In fact, I just want to take a moment with all heads up and eyes open. How many of you would say, you know what, I've got to work on this forgiveness thing? Would you just raise your hand? Wow, look at that, guys. Come on. Can I just pray for us right now, though? And before we do that, hey, maybe this is what today's about. Learning that whole forgiveness component and letting God come in and do what he wants to do. Would you just let me pray? God, we thank you that you're here right now. Lord, all of us have some work to do. The truth is, God, we, we've got to work on this whole forgiveness thing. And we need you to do it. We can't do it on our own, not in our own strength, not in our own abilities. We need you. So, God, I just pray you to remind us of what we've been forgiven as we go forward today, forgiving those that have hurt us. In Jesus' name. Everybody look up at me for one minute. Five things. Commit right now to resolve. Establish rules of engagement. Take responsibility. Be a peacemaker. And walk in love. You know the greatest conflict ever resolved was the conflict of the separation between God and man. Because sin is the great divide. And here's what the truth is. The Bible says that all of us have sin in our life, and it creates a gap between us and God. But God created the greatest conflict resolution when he gave us Jesus, who lived on this earth and lived a sinless life, and he died a sinner's death. And today, if you've never begun a relationship with him, today is your day. It's free. It's easy. I'm not talking about church membership. You don't have to come forward. This is a decision that you make in the confines of your own heart to step across the threshold of the starting line in a relationship with Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never prayed that prayer right where you're seated, no embarrassment, I want to challenge you to just whisper this prayer in your own heart. And some of you in this room may have made this decision months ago, years ago, decades ago, and you've been running from God, and today is the day to come running back. When I pray this prayer, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer very quietly in your own heart. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We're almost finished in here today. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or today you want to pray it for the first time in a long time, just make this your own prayer in the quietness of your own heart to say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, and you've given me purpose. God, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sin. Now make this statement your own to say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.